Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast where we really dig into the text of the Gospels from the Roman Catholic lectionary. So we're looking at the Gospel reading for today's Mass and I want to encourage you, if you have been enjoying this podcast and you believe that what we're doing on this podcast is a great way of studying the Bible and you've benefited from it, then please keep sharing this podcast around. We need more people to hear how much richness there is in the scriptures. And I know so many of you have benefited from this already. Let's read the passage, John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your own joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. A man can have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I shall not call you servants any more, because a servant does not know his master's business. I call you friends because I have made known to you everything I have learnt from my father. You did not choose me. No, I chose you and I commissioned you to go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the father will give you anything you ask him in my name. What I command you is to love one another. So the context here, it's towards the end of the Last Supper, and Jesus is giving the farewell discourse, and that runs over quite a few chapters. He gives final instructions to his apostles before he leaves them. The last thing Jesus has talked about at the start of John chapter 15 is about how he's the true vine, and they are the branches. And his basic message there was they need to remain or abide in him, the apostles, if they are to continue to produce fruit after he's gone. Today, In our reading, something that people often miss, but is really interesting when you look at it. In our text, what happens is that at each step of what Jesus says here, he explains exactly what he means. So he wants to make sure the apostles are really clear on how he wants things to run. So he actually explains what he means by each of his little phrases. And we'll see that as we go. So let's start at verse 9. Jesus said to his disciples, the context here is important, the audience is the apostles. So what we're hearing is a continuation of Jesus' previous thought that he's just said to the apostles, where he said to them, remain in me in order to produce good fruit. He's now going to be explicit about what it means to remain in him. What does that mean? Because he hasn't said that yet. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, obviously, there's a, a mystical element here. So the apostles and all Christians, Jesus teaches here, are invited into this unimaginable communion of love between the Father and the Son. But on the literal level, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, Jesus is making the point that the Father has loved Jesus in a special way because Jesus has kept the Father's commandments. So it's kind of like a love as a result of obedience. And that's a consistent theme in the Gospel of John. And on top of that, Jesus says, Jesus himself has loved the apostles because they have kept his commandments. 
So in context, he's trying to teach the apostles what they need in order to continue to receive this special kind of love. Basically, they need obedience to his commandments. He then says, remain in my love, or other translations have it as abide in my love. Now, this is the same basic idea as what he said before about the vine when he said, abide in me. He's encouraging his apostles as they go out and lead the early church to remain in the grace and love of Jesus. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. So here he tells them how, he tells the apostles how they can actually remain or abide in him. It's by keeping his commandments. So there's some sort of conditional love here. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. This doesn't cancel out the common Christian teaching that Jesus loves everyone and the Father loves everyone. There is an unconditional love that they have. But here, Jesus is talking about a special love that he has for faithful believers. That's what's in view here. Notice what the Christian disciple has to do in order to receive this special grace and love. They have to keep Jesus' commandments. We don't often like to talk about this, but it is pretty clear here in the farewell discourse. Jesus' love and friendship is, in a sense, conditional based on obedience to his commandments. So that's what he said so far, but what has Jesus not made clear yet? The question you might have in your mind, and what the apostles might have had in their mind, is what are these commandments? What commandments is Jesus talking about? Now, Jesus will go on to tell us that in a couple of verses' time. Verse 11, I have told you this so that your own joy may be in you. Sorry, my own joy may be in you. So as Jesus carries out the Father's will perfectly, he receives a supernatural joy. So Jesus has this joy from the Father, and Jesus wants his own apostles to experience that same supernatural joy. So he encourages them to keep obeying and following him. Jesus says, that's how joy will continue to be passed from the vine to the branches, through obedience. That's how joy will get to them. And he wants them to have that joy. That's what all this encouragement is about. He wants them to keep having access to joy and grace and love. And then he says, so that your joy may be complete or full. So Jesus doesn't want the apostles to just have small amounts of joy. This is how much he loves them. He wants them to experience the maximum possible joy that they can have. And the same for us. Jesus wants us to experience that supernatural joy as well, but we have to stay attached to him as the vine. Verse 12, this is my commandment. So now he's going to tell them what commandments he wants them to keep. And in particular, he's going to give them one commandment, which summarizes all the others that he's been teaching them for the last three and a half years. And this is the commandment that he gives them. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, obviously, there's a lot you could say about this. It's a very famous phrase. Important to keep in mind that love here does not mean nice feelings, feeling good about each other. That's not really the New Testament version of love. It basically means to do good. That's what love is in the New Testament. So Jesus here says love one another, meaning do good to each other. This is his instructions to the apostles. He wants them to love and serve each other in the same way that he, as their master, has served them. If you've been following the farewell discourse through, you'll remember that Jesus has already said something like this when he washed their feet. He says, I have given this as a model to you. You should do this to each other. 
So the kind of love that Jesus wants here, where Christians show love to each other, in a sense, it's a response to the divine love of the Father and the Son that a Christian has already experienced themselves. So it's an outpouring of love that the Father has already given them. And 1 John 4.11, later in the New Testament, summarizes it this way. If God so loved us, we must also love one another. So Jesus' teaching here, he gives them this one commandment, and he says to the apostles, if they can get this one love commandment right, they will be fulfilling all of Jesus' commandments. So it's a similar thing to when the person comes to Jesus in the Gospels and says, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus summarizes it by saying, love God and love your neighbor. It's a similar kind of thing here. He says, love uh, love one another as I have loved you. That's his summary of all of his own teachings. What? But notice this, there's probably another question that would have been raised in their minds now, which is, what does it mean to love each other well? Jesus is now going to explain that for them. Verse 13, a man can have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. So that's his answer. This is exactly what Jesus is about to do on the cross. He's telling them this as an answer to the question, what does it mean to love each other? Jesus sets this up as the ultimate example of love that he wants them to strive for. He, as their master, is about to do that. And he says, if you want to know what love is, look to the cross. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So Jesus here brings up friendship. And the basic idea of friendship that Jesus has in mind, again, it's not warm, fuzzy feelings. It's more about those who are on the same side and have the same mission. That's what it means to be friends. And it carries this idea in particular of being equal. Notice the conditional nature of it again. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So it's possible for the apostles, if they stop following Jesus' commandments, they could fall out of Jesus' grace. Luckily, as far as we know, none of them did that, except Judas, obviously. But the basic idea here is keep my commandments and you will remain in my love. It's the same idea. Jesus is now going to bring up this idea of servants or slaves. And in particular, he's going to contrast friends with slaves. So in that culture, in a master-slave relationship, Basically, the master would give commands and then the servant would just obey them simply because of the master's authority. Whereas friends do good things to each other, not out of uh, an obedience kind of thing, but because they have genuine love for each other. That's the contrast Jesus sets up. Verse 15, I shall not call you servants anymore because a servant does not know his master's business. So in a sense, although Jesus hasn't called them servants or slaves, before this, in a sense, they kind of were because they were disciples. So this farewell discourse marks a transition in the 12 apostles status before Jesus. Before, you could say that the apostles didn't exactly know what Jesus was up to, but now it seems that Jesus is elevating them to friends. From this point on, they're going to have the same basic mission. The apostles are not going to be merely disciples anymore they're actually going to go out and continue Jesus' mission to the world. So that's sort of the transition that's happening here. He goes on, I call you friends because I have made known to you everything I have learnt from my Father. So during his ministry, and Jesus often says this in the Gospel of John, Jesus only preaches what he hears from the Father. And as he's been going through his ministry, he's been revealing this to the apostles, 
particularly in the private briefings that he has with them. There are things the apostles know about Jesus that no one else knows because of this inside information he's been giving them. So that means the apostles know their master's business, which makes them friends. They're not just obeying things blindly. They actually know what Jesus as the master is up to because he's been telling them. All of this still needs to be qualified with what Jesus has said, though. He does say to the apostles here, you are my friends, and he says why they're his friends. But remember what he says about how how you need to stay his friend. There's something you need to do. So the apostle status as friends is not guaranteed. They have to continue to follow Jesus' commandments if they want to remain his friends. And obviously that's what Jesus wants. He wants them to stay in friendship with him. Verse 16, you did not choose me. No, I chose you. And that's fairly radical because in that culture, there will be sort of traveling rabbis moving around the Jewish parts of the world. And Jews could pick a rabbi that they wanted to follow, that they wanted to be a disciple of. It was a voluntary thing. It was quite rare for a rabbi to pick his own disciples. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He deliberately picked out each of the 12 apostles. If you look at the Synoptic Gospels where he picks the 12 apostles, you'll see that he's quite deliberate about which ones he wants. He says, I commissioned you or appointed you is another translation there. So when Jesus picked the 12 apostles, he gives them a special commission to go out and to bear fruit. Notice that Jesus' goal in picking the 12 apostles was not primarily so that he had friends and companions, though that is explicitly part of it. His main goal in picking these 12 men was so that they would do good works all across the land for the purpose of expanding the kingdom of God. That's the point of him picking the 12 apostles. And then he adds this, fruit that will last. Go and bear fruit that will last. So the apostles' works, on Jesus hopes that the apostles' works, will be works that last. And we know that that's what happened. If you look at the book of Acts, the apostles traveled to new places. They brought the kingdom to places where it had never been preached before, and they establish new churches. So the fruit that they do for the kingdom does last through the centuries. And Jesus probably knew that when he picked them. He knew that these would be the best 12 men to set up the church and produce fruit that lasts. So Jesus is about to leave them. So he's encouraging them to stay true to their original goal, which is to produce fruit for the kingdom. Then he adds, and then the Father will give you anything you ask him in my name. So Jesus has mentioned this a couple of times already or in the farewell discourse, and we've talked about it in the last few days. The idea is that if the apostles continue to follow Jesus' commandments and they carry out good works for the kingdom, then their will is going to be aligned with the will of the Father. And to ask things in Jesus' name means to ask things in accordance with his will. So in that sense, Jesus, uh, the Father will grant them anything they ask because their wills are all aligned. This is a promise to the apostles specifically. It doesn't necessarily apply to the same way to all Christians today. Jesus did give the apostles special gifts for those early years in the book of Acts that he intended, in a sense, to die out with the apostles. Some things continued after the apostles, but there were special gifts that were only for the apostolic age. We need to understand that, particularly when we look at the book of Acts. Verse 17, the last verse, Jesus finishes by saying, What I command you is to love one another. So this is Jesus' summary of all his teachings. 
love one another. That's what he expects of us as Christians today as well. There is a question about who one another is. So often it's portrayed as though when Jesus says love one another, he means love everyone. That probably doesn't fit with the language of the Gospel of John, because in the Gospel of John, there's typically a contrast between the apostles and the world. So although it's true that Christians are required to do good to everyone, in fact, Jesus says that in one spot, he says, do good works so that the world might be turned to the Father, is essentially what he says. But in the context here, it appears to be an instruction to the apostles that they do good to the other apostles, as in they do good amongst themselves. And if we were to apply that to Christians today, that means it's an instruction for Christians to treat other Christians well so that outsiders looking in can see that there's something different about the way Christians treat each other and they'll want to be a part of that. So that's the end of our passage today. The farewell discourse does continue in the coming weekdays around this time of the year. So if we turn to the Catechism of the Catholic Church to find out what Catholic teaching tells us about this passage, we'll find that this passage gets talked about a whole lot which makes sense because this is the passage where Jesus gives us the commandment to love one another as I have loved you, which is one of the basic foundations of the Catholic faith. So it's all throughout the catechism. Um, It shows up in all sorts of places. It talks in the section about God's love, about Jesus' love, about the Holy Spirit, about the Christian's responsibility. It's all through that. And so I just want to read out a few of the most striking Um, paragraphs of the Catechism, but I'll include as many of the full references in the show notes as I can. So let's start by looking at paragraph 1823 and 1824, which is in the section about what love actually is. Jesus makes charity the new commandment. By loving his own to the end, he makes manifest the Father's love which he receives. By loving one another, the disciples imitate the love of Jesus which they themselves receive. Whence Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And again, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Fruit of the Spirit and fullness of the law, charity keeps the commandment of God and his Christ. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So that in that definition of love or charity... It refers a lot there to John chapter 15. That's the basis of Christian love. Paragraph 1970 is about the new law in contrast to the old law of the Old Testament. And it says this, The entire law of the gospel or the new law is contained in the new commandment of Jesus to love one another as he loved us. So that's incredibly powerful and striking. The entire requirements and law of the new covenant is what Jesus says here in John 15, to love one another as he has loved us. If we can get that right, we're probably getting the basics, uh, you know, the basis of the new covenant right in the way that God wants us to. Paragraph 609 talks about Jesus' love and his death on the cross. By embracing in his human heart the Father's love for men, Jesus loved them to the end. For greater man has no love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In suffering and death, his humanity become the the free and perfect instrument of his divine love, which desires the salvation of men. Indeed, out of love for his father and for men, whom the father wants to save, 
Jesus freely accepted his passion and death. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Hence the sovereign freedom of God's Son as he went out to his death. Paragraph 1972 is a really interesting analysis about the new law, and it talks about how Jesus calls his apostles friends, and what does that mean in terms of our knowledge. The new law is called a law of love because it makes us act out of the love infused by the Holy Spirit, rather than from fear, a law of grace because it confers the strength of grace to act by means of faith and the sacraments, a law of freedom because it sets us free from the ritual and juridical observances of the old law, inclines us to act spontaneously by the prompting of charity, and finally lets us pass from the condition of a servant who does not know what his master is doing to that of a friend of Christ. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Or even to the status of son and heir. So there in that paragraph, it tells us that when Jesus says to the apostles, you are no longer my servants, you are my friends. Well, that in a sense applies to all of us Christians when we're brought into God's family. Lastly, I'll read out paragraph 2347, and this is in the section about chastity, and it talks about friendship. What is true friendship? So paragraph 2347, about the integrality of the gift of self. The virtue of chastity blossoms in friendship. It shows the disciple how to follow and imitate him who has chosen us as his friends, who has given himself totally to us and allows us to participate in his divine estate. Chastity is a promise of immortality. Chastity is expressed notably in friendship with one's neighbour. Whether it develops between persons of the same or opposite sex, friendship represents a great good for all. It leads to spiritual communion. So that's a really interesting application of John 15. And then there's also a couple of additional paragraphs which talk about the Holy Spirit and our role as Christians in putting, to, uh, putting in practice God's love. So a really interesting passage today. I hope you learned something new. Please tune in again tomorrow.